Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most tattooed work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back with Blake and his team in the middle of his apartment uh, and he's kind of recapping the revelation <laughs> that Fell just delivered to him last chapter that he's basically shit out of luck for allies other than everyone in this room. Yeah, like a big part of his plan was counting on being able to get others on side who hated Conquest and... Yep. Fell just took that away, so he's now created a game with rigged odds and lost his secret advantage, so he's pretty fucked. Yes, and the thing I like about this, or that's interesting to me about this, is he says to Blake, uh, he says, Blake says to Fell, you knew all this and you still sided with me? And Fell's <laughs> like, I mean, I had to. Um, it, it, it really drives home that Blake really kind of thinks that his, his slim chance has evaporated. Oh, and it's not just that. Uh, I think he, and Fell kind of sort of mentions this, Fell's pretty fucking desperate too. Like, obviously, you know, Blake's concerned with his own shit odds at survival, whereas from Fell's perspective, this is almost a chance to, to die, if nothing else, you know? Like, uh, this is this is another <laughs> one of his little risks, but yeah, exactly. It's like, regardless of how slim the chances are, like, Fell's just so desperate, he'll he'll say yes anyway, yeah. I wonder if he, if it comes to it and Blake, it looks like Blake is going to lose if Fell will, like, off himself or, I don't know. Like, Fell would obviously give his life to end conquests. I have no... Oh, yeah. I have no, no hesitations about stating yeah. that, uh, but it's whether or not that opportunity would come up, really. Yeah. Um. So, uh, another th- interesting thing that happens at the start of this chapter is Blake is kind of looking around his apartment and seeing that everything is kind of out of time (laughs) things have either aged or kind of gone back in time or just kind of uh, off in weird Mm. ways because they're in the spirit world yeah we talked about this a little bit last episode but uh there's way more cool things uh in in this Mm. one as well like there's uh i I like how things have been rearranged in like drawers so that the things blake uses less and cares about less are at the bottom like that's such a that's such a (laughs) neat little touch i love it uh and i I wonder if like it's something that'll uh, obviously we're having this big battle in the spirit world and uh, our attention's been drawn to the odd ways things work here i wonder if this will start to become a tactical factor uh in in some mm. confrontations yes we shall see i suppose so basically at the end of last chapter blake needed a bit of a timeout and and basically put everyone's questions on ice and now he basically goes around answering all the lingering questions complaints that his circle had uh, at the end of last chapter yeah, so so everyone get in line and and get comfortable. This will probably be a while. Yes, uh, there's a lot. lot. There are... <laughs> um, but Blake chooses first to answer Evan, uh, and tries to convince Evan that that he took the hyena as one of his champions for a good reason, and uh, <laughs> and we really we dive into something that's going to become pretty important. This this chapter where Rose right away is not on Blake's side here. <laughs> that's putting it lightly. Um, so Rose, <laughs> Rose kind of says to Evan, "Hey, uh, uh, Blake makes Evan an offer like, oh, Evan, I promise I won't use the hyena without consulting you first or whatever." And Rose says, "Blake made me a similar offer before, a few times really. Promised to take my counsel, you to give me a chance to offer my input to decide before he we went ahead with anything big. Do you know how many times he's actually followed through?" <laughs> fair, <laughs> it's fair. It's, I mean, we've we've picked on Blake for the exact same thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, sort of hearing this at, at this point, like you know, as they're essentially trying to 
get ready to deal with this plan. I was really torn between now is not the time, Rose, mm. but also good point, Rose. Like, yeah, it, it's tough because uh, because she's right. Like Blake sort of makes these offers and then kind of bullies you into having to see things his way anyway <laughs> when push comes to yep. shove. Uh, yeah. Or, or, yeah, ends up in situations where you don't really get to have a choice because he's already jumped in and, and now needs it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know how useful it is for Rose to start descent in the ranks, uh, so to speak, here and now, but she does have a point as well. Yeah, I mean, I think she's called Blake out on a number of times and it just keeps happening, right? Um, yeah, exactly. We'll dive into the specific most recent instance when they bring it up later in the chapter. Um, mm. I want to point out, they kind of have a little bit of a verbal spa and Blake says, that's not fair, I said. I agree, Rose said. It isn't fair. You got a familiar, you got your circle thing. I just like, Rose is very <laughs> quick on turning around in the verbal sparring here. Um, she's very much good at the, uh, at, the, at the linguistics side of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat little burn. So they have a bit of a verbal spar, and then Rose kind of disappears to get books and kind of prep for the fight. Um, Blake is clearly wants to get in the last word, but she's already gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, she just, she just fucking lays into him in this little section and then, yeah, just, just sort of bails. But like uh, this section to me is kind of defined by Blake coming up with these sort of small defenses and mm. like Rose just using those to launch into like other attacks. Like every time you sort yeah. of like, Oh, well, you know, I, I'm more the Thorburn, and she's just like, well, are you? Like, let me lay down the law. Uh, and, and she just schools him. And then, yeah, the first time he sort of gets an opportunity to really say anything, she's just fucking gone. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty... Yeah, things aren't great between them right now. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get... Yeah, we will get into it more. I think it's... I don't know. <laughs> she just kind of... Yeah, you're right. She lays down the law. She really delivers a bit of a smackdown. Um, yeah, I think, like, the last thing sort of to talk about in this planning sectiony bit is Blake's plan is to split up, which, you know, <laughs> classic strong I'm horror sure movie maneuver. Well, yep. Um what could go wrong? But uh, like the crux of the splitting up idea is also to use Rose as a communication method between mm. the groups. Mm. Does she I wait I mean last time we checked it was the house and it was very close to Blake that she could teleport. Yeah. Like when did she get this is it because they're in the spirit world, or is it because of, like, the power-up he gave her in the police station? Yeah. I suspect the spirit world, obviously, because, uh, you know, when they left Conquest's Tower, we didn't touch on this, I don't mm. think, but at the end of the last chapter, there was a, a few lines where uh, Rose kind of held herself together more than she was able to normally, and Blake yeah. surmised, oh, she's stronger in the spirit world. It's closer to her mirror dimension than the real world is. So, yeah, I... I can see that happening. You're right that we didn't, we haven't got like any explicit confirmation of just what she can do now. Yeah, that that line did sort of jump into my head as well. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't sure what to make of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's that wasn't the clearest connection for me. But it does sort of make mm. sense. So uh, yeah, I'll go with the whole spirit world. Uh, yep. Let's Rose be more freedom. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope Blake's right about that. I don't, you know, yeah, we don't we don't want them splitting up and then just figuring out they can't communicate. Yeah, especially since Blake doesn't have a phone, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, the other thing that I want to point out is uh, Fell is kind of talking about Conquest dominating Rose, in air quotes, when, when he had her captive. And mm. I think it's it seems pretty clear that this is in the, uh, you know, he, he got information out of her sense. He didn't, uh, on my read at least, there wasn't any kind of sexual abuse 
uh, stuff in there, but Blake's mind definitely goes there. Um, and I think that's interesting because I think that's the stuff that he, that's the stuff that haunts him, right? Yeah, and it's it's sort of preparing us to deal with that a bit more later mm. in the chapter. Uh, well, but, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Fell seems to imply that there wasn't anything physical yep. or really sexual to it. It was very much just, it, it's just traumatic kind of being dominated so completely, yep. even mentally. Uh, and yep. yeah. So next in line is Blake explaining to Ty, Tiff and Alexis why he didn't choose them as champions. Um, and I think they are... They kind of get it right away. They, they've been in the world long enough that they're like, hmm, I'm quite glad that we're able to be kept out of this to some extent. Yeah, but, like, I mean, the, the obvious question they've sort of been asking since last chapter is, like, why did you awaken us? Like, like I, I, think, I think you're right that they sort of get why they're not champions and they're probably glad that they're not champions. But there's also that thing of, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Uh, and, and he, he sort of gives them this quick... Mm-hmm. little answer about you know oh well you're gonna make safe zones for us or whatever um but that very much feels like a post facto thing uh really it has more to do with having them around charges him so they're they're basically um like power outlets uh mostly yeah yeah i i definitely think he kind of spur of the moment is like oh what's the thing they can do that is not too involved but is still helpful um yeah, which is which is like a classic Blake maneuver to mm. like come up with the motivations behind your action after having finished it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. They still seem to be on Team Blake, and you know, Alexis is sort of like, I still trust you. Let's let's try and keep it that way. But I think yeah. it'd be fair if, <laughs> even if it's just deep down, they're starting to have their doubts because he's drawn them into some pretty high stakes heinous shit. And it's pretty clear he didn't really know what he was doing when he did it. Uh, <laughs> yes, he definitely yeah. didn't seem to have a specific plan for them in mind, which is kind of <laughs> shitty. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. I think he really just the overarching thing was I need allies, and yeah, <laughs> they're not really going to be able to help. But you know, who knows? Um, yeah, the knights take this opportunity to <laughs> bounce, basically being like Nick's Smart. like, look, we're not going to. We're not going to get more involved than we already have been. We told you we wouldn't, and we're not going to. And Blake's like, yep, all right. Yeah, I think he's he's pretty reasonable here. It's like, you know, he, he lets them go. Like, he's not going to hold them against their will, but it still, like, upsets him, which I think is fair, because losing people when your life is on the line, uh, yeah, like, it, it would be upsetting. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, I, I think the point there is a point to be made that Conquest already knows that they're helping him right like they're already kind of labeled as team blake regardless i don't Mm, i don't know mm. no i agree like that's my concern is that they're fucked already uh might be in their interest to stick around anyway but i guess we'll say they might be back as some sort of bait who are being forced to act against blake in some way shape or form i guess we'll see yeah so uh Blake has kind of answered for his crimes, I suppose. Uh, and the, the group is ready to head out before their one hour of prep time is up. Uh, but Blake kind of taps Fell to make a bit of uh, a bit of a play here. He makes a distraction. He makes a chair Blake that will kind of confuse people that come looking for Blake at the apartment. Yes, a chair crow, if you will. I, I will, yes, <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the thing that I like about the chair crow is um, Blake is 
kind of shocked at seeing himself, seeing how shitty mm. he looks, which is fair because he doesn't have a reflection. But, you know, he, he actually, for the first time, sees himself and thinks, oh, this is what I looked like while I was homeless. Uh, it's not a good sign. Yeah, like, like I think I think the fact that Blake gets an opportunity to see himself is the real reason that this was included uh, in the chapter. Like, it's it's worked yeah. in really well. But uh, as you as you already pointed out, he doesn't have a reflection, and this is a rare opportunity for him to get a look at himself in the mirror, basically. Yeah, yeah. Blake even says, "Oh, is that what I look like?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this, it's this real oh shit moment for him, and everyone else is like, "Oh, that's neat." Uh, yeah, but. Like, you know, we already heard from Pris a couple of chapters ago that uh, he kind of invoked her idea of what a Diabolus would look like. Mm. And we sort of see it now. Like, he's not just pale and, and drained, like, you know, and, and injured. Like, we, we sort of... He, he's been very aware of all that, obviously, as he's been looking at his hands and stuff. But now he's seeing, like, how stubbly his face is and just how, like, disheveled and disorganized yeah. he looks. And um, I mean, that's yeah. something that he's placed a lot of value on. Uh, yeah, on a, a number of times in the story, so like, it's it's quite harrowing for him to see, you know, Just himself shabby he looks, yeah, when and looking as bad as he did when he was homeless, which is something he tries to yeah. avoid doing. Yeah, you're right. That's probably, I mean, being homeless in and of itself wasn't wasn't a low light of his life, but there are things that happened then that definitely are, you know, places he doesn't want to revisit. It, it's all symbolic in his memory, you know, like like dressing himself up is really what makes Blake feel like that is behind him. And so to see himself mm. back in that sort of state uh, is not something he enjoys. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to pull out here is they set, they, they set a booby trap on this if someone comes poking around chair, Blake. <laughs> um, sorry, the chair crow. Laird makes it that you're kind of snared unless you're carrying around this microwave from his apartment, which is such a bizarre trap. And I really hope that Laird falls for it and he just has to <laughs> lug around a microwave. Uh, it's such a fun idea for it's like a big like, like, fucking it, trap. Especially because it feels kind of outplaced with how high these stakes are. Um, yeah. I, it, it's funny that your first thought went to Laird falling for this because for me, it just feels like a Duncan. <laughs> a, a Duncan type thing, like Dun Duncan's the sort of person I'm expecting to show up in two chapters yeah. with a microwave under his arm, and I'll just be like, "Duncan, you idiot! <laughs> Duncan, you dumb fuck! <laughs> you fell for the most obvious microwave trap in the book." Oh, and especially, yeah. let's be honest, Duncan, Duncan's going to be on the front lines. Like, you know, Conquest is going to send Laird, and Laird's going to send Duncan. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. I want to pull up one last line before they kind of, before we put aside the chair crow. Blake is thinking, leave the creepy Blake doppelganger alone. Don't think too hard about why it bothers you so much. And uh, mm. sorry, Blake, but it's our job to think too hard about these things. <laughs> I, I'm curious what, what you think it, it is about this that bothers Blake so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I've sort of, I've sort of already touched on this a little bit. Like I think it has to do, well, as far as I can tell, it seems to mostly have to do with you know, reminding him of, of the yeah. worst points in his life, like seeing himself looking like that again. Um, I mean, with how much attention is drawn to this line, maybe there's a bit more to it, but like nothing I can think of. Like it, it, maybe it's yeah. one of those lines that'll, you know, be foreshadowing or something in retrospect. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like the being disheveled thing is enough to me. It, I get that, and I, my head kind of went to the same place, but I, that that's never been something that Blake is, like, trying to keep under the surface, you know? Like, he's he's kind of been open about how he likes to maintain his routine and how he likes kind of being himself and how that's important to him, 
And so I think this, I don't know, that doesn't, it could be it, but it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that he's trying to avoid thinking about. Yeah, 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 I agree. Like, I, I definitely think that that's part of it, but I, I agree that there's this feeling that there's more to this. And, like, I drew such a blank trying to think of what the more could be that I'm thinking yeah. it's, it's, it's foreshadowing something. Yeah. So everybody kind of starts heading out, uh, but before Blake leaves, he kind of decides to hash out some stuff with Rose, and they basically speak about what's going on and how not okay they are at the moment yeah they finally get to have that private chat uh blake's been wanting for well since last chapter uh, oh boy so obviously rose is annoyed at, at blake consistently kind of breaking his promises to her um and consistently taking very drastic actions without consulting her so obviously he he made evan his familiar and that that you know was <laughs> she kind of was okay with it after the fact but obviously wasn't happy with it uh that with the drasticness of that choice and then kind of blake f- flew this in her face by doing basically the exact same thing and uh awakening a few friends to be part of his cabal um i think something else that she points out that's very on point is blake is very much about writing the balance always making an effort to pay everybody back but he never seems to do this with Rose, um, mm-hmm. which is a totally fair point. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, like Blake, Blake even uh, Blake isn't even confident in saying that he's always tried to be honest with Rose. So he settles mm-hmm. for the word straightforward instead, which is uh, less committal, I guess. Yeah. Um, but what uh, one thing that stood out to me, Rose points out, this is the third major time that he's undercut her and, and made one of these big decisions uh, without her. Mm. And obviously recruiting Evan uh, as the familiar yep. and then recruiting the Cabal uh, are two of them, but I nothing's really jumping out to me as to what the third big one is. Like, am I forgetting something that happened before Arc 4 or... Man, honestly, they, I feel like there are so many that it could be, right? Yeah, yeah, like, I, like that's the thing. I think there are a lot of little ones, but nothing's jumping out to me as the big third uh, betrayal uh, of, of Rose's, you know, yeah. niceness. I'm sure we'll have somebody leave for what they think it is in the comments. Yeah, Chuck please do if, if you have ideas. Discussion thread. Yeah, you're right. I, I can't think of what the third one is. Um, maybe fighting the Erasure Demon was like a bit of a you know undercutting her decision kind of thing but it doesn't quite feel right um yeah well and our i mean the records of of that conversation are so sketchy um i mean we (laughs) definitely we definitely came down very anti-blake so it could be that 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 might be fair yeah um so the other thing about this is they both kind of express this sentiment or they they kind of hint at this sentiment they don't fully land on it where they both feel like they're kind of trying to fight against destiny by trying to be friends when it kind of feels like they're meant to be enemies. Um, I'm kind of reminded of, of the idea of karma keeping two people together, um, kind of tying a bond between people, uh, where the bond between Blake and Rose kind of tr- trends towards them being enemies with each other, and they're constantly trying to fight it. And And I think it's Rose who kind of suggests, like, well... Uh, should we <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and i mean obviously i've I've gone off on tangents before about how maybe rose was specifically created for this sort of thing um yeah and blah 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 but i think the real the real bit here is like uh, under underneath all this is we have the knowledge from fell's interlude uh mm. that 
it seems like Rose isn't as dependent on Blake as we think. Like, really, yeah. one of the big reasons that they've given up until now for not just becoming enemies is kind of that they're stuck with each other. And, yes. uh, you know, when that goes away, that's that's when things have the potential to start to get really dirty uh, between the two yes. of them. I'm kind what? of worried. I mean, Fel knows that, right? And now he's going to be hanging out with them for the next arc, at least. Mm. Um, yeah, that's something to worry about. <laughs> There's so much that can go wrong here, yeah. Uh, Rose reveals to Blake that she told Conquest everything. Um, what they were planning, which we already knew, but also uh, Blake's weaknesses, their weaknesses as a team, and Rose even kind of went into fan theories, theorizing about Blake's <laughs> trauma ways to kind of fuck with him, basically anything that she could. Um, and you definitely, I, I definitely got the sense, at least, that this was a bit of a, once she gave in, the, the kind of tap was turned and all of her resentment just kind of manifested. <laughs> yeah, it, like, the revelation for us as readers here is that she went way further than just detailing the plan, but she specifically started to dish on Blake's... Um, like weaknesses that conquest may or may not have have already yeah. known about um and i think blake handles this about as well as you can really expect um yeah he he does okay but yeah like this is this is obviously a big trigger subject for him and he's flooded with emotions which which you'd yeah. expect and he he manages to recognize that some of the anger he's directing towards rose is is kind of unfair given the situation she was in and and you know like that doesn't make that anger go away like of course but being like self-aware enough to identify when you're feeling somewhat unjustified anger towards a messenger or something is you know a good sign i think uh so so i I think he handles it pretty well overall yeah yeah i it's interesting to me because i it doesn't it is i get that it's a betrayal but it doesn't it doesn't feel like she really from what we heard told Conquest anything that he didn't already know, or that he at least couldn't already kind of guess. Um, Blake is a bit of an open book about his trauma when it comes up. He, For example, the scene when, when Conquest wanted to chain Blake up, it was pretty clear that that caused Blake to freak out, right? Or in the interview yeah. scene with, with Duncan, it was very much like, oh, he doesn't like being touched. And so you can kind of, I think you can kind of put those pieces together, Um yeah, I don't think I don't think Rose was necessarily the only way he was going to get that information. Um, yeah, but I mean Blake, as he sort of calms down and tries to process what he's feeling, uh, come comes up with this idea that like one of the things he's most angry at Rose for is potentially not telling him. Like she really hesitates to tell him that yeah. she said this, uh, yeah. and that that's kind of what really ticks him off is that she might have let him go in un- unknowing that the conquest would have stuff ready for this, which. I do yep. think is is a little un- unfair because obviously, <laughs> yeah, obviously she's going to be hesitant to be like, hey, you know, all like your worst nightmares. I, I told them about those. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I can kind of land either side of it. Um, I don't think that it it's, it isn't like Blake kind of has to extract it from her. She does kind of jump onto telling him about it when they get the chance. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah she know. does. She, that's the thing. She does try. So I, yeah, I, I agree. But like, I mean, I think that's what makes the overall Blake and Rose relationship and and these scenes work so well. Is just way that that grayness to it and the believability. Like, you know, they are mm. just both really struggling in this intense situation, and they're both trying to be as fair as they can with all these emotions and high stakes flying around. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
<laughs> it does. I am kind of worried that uh, this means Conquest is specifically going to break Blake in all the ways he's afraid of now. But mm, me too. We'll see. I suppose. Um, so now Blake and Rose equally are angry at each other, and they kind <laughs> of head out. Um, Blake gets on his bike with Tiffany and Evan, and the rest kind of jump into Fell's car, and they all drive to find a safe house. Yeah, and the moments where Blake is just sort of standing there fuming and, like, organizing himself before heading downstairs are, like, really powerfully and, and well-written. Like, I really liked that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the last thing Blake sort of thinks here is he takes this kind of cynical outlook, as you sort of said, where thinking, oh, well, now Rose has betrayed me too, so we're kind of a bit more even, and <laughs> and hopefully that's that's good enough, which, like... Yeah. I, I think is is a very cynical outlook, but then also I think yeah. he's probably a little bit right. I like uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I he knows he knows himself, so he yeah, he knows exactly. a fair bit about Rose, and I think I I, I don't know. Like it to me, uh, maybe maybe this is just me, like, but I'm the sort of person where I think if I was in Rose's shoes, it would actually just help me just a little, and maybe I'm <laughs> yeah. a terrible person, but so are Blake and Rose, I guess. <laughs> I don't think it's cynicism. I do think it is uh, self-awareness. <laughs> Can you call it self-awareness? Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think you're right that Rose is kind of happy that she's kind of got a bit of a... She's she's managed to piss off Blake in a way that he pisses her <laughs> off all the time. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just funny because he never actually... like they, they never clarify this or anything. He never actually asks her. He just kind of lets it go on said, yeah. probably because it, it helps him to think that this will make her more on more on his yeah. side than, than yeah. uh, not. So Tiffany, Blake, and Evan are all on the on Blake's bike, and a fun note is <laughs> it it kind of makes sense afterwards. But you're, I was kind of surprised because Tiffany isn't holding on to him while they ride. She Blake has told her, oh, "No, you can't hold on to me because of his personal space <laughs> issues." So she has to lean back and hold on to the back of the bike, which is like the most terrifying and dangerous way to ride a bike. It's crazy. Uh yeah, it's it's a nuts visual, and it's like it's. It works so well because when Blake first brings up the bike, Alexis kind of jokes about how riding with him is suicidal. And at first yeah. I was just like, oh, so what? He's like a reckless, crazy driver or whatever. But I wasn't really sure because that didn't seem too much like Blake. And then there we yeah. see this and you're like, oh, that's why this is suicidal. Yeah, it's, it seems so dangerous. Um, you know, Blake has all this stuff where he's like, you know, Tiffany had wanted to avoid being cramped in the car, but I wonder if she's regretting that now. Yeah, I would... Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's such a crazy system. I mean, I get it, because it's arguably even worse to have her hugging Blake and then him driving while on the verge of a panic attack, so... Yeah. It, it might still be for the best, but it's, uh... Yeah, it, it's, it'd be intense for Tiffany. <laughs> yes, um, for sure. I, I wanted to pull out one other line as well, um... So there's just this little paragraph where, uh, he's describing Evan's situation, uh, on the bike, so it says... Evan, for his part, was tucked into the V where my coat's zipper parted at the collarbone. He periodically screamed something that might have been spelled a few dozen letter A's, lost in the rush of wind and noise of my bike. He periodically laughed, a noise that was easier to make out. <laughs> so first of all, that's, like, adorable as fuck. Uh, yes, like, Evan we, is very adorable. <laughs> like, we, saw, we saw Evan get really excited for the bike and now he's getting to ride and he's loving it. But, uh, yep. I... This is like a written book. So, like, Wildbo could have just written 12 A's, but I love that he yeah. does that little detail of just saying it's something that could have been spelt with 12 A's. Like, it, it fits into the concept of, like, Blake's narration so yeah. well, and it's just a nice little touch. Um, I, yeah. I don't know I don't know why I like it so much, but I, I really do. Yeah, it just kind of gets you in the in the mindset a bit more, right? It's not... 
you're not clinically digesting events mm. sentence by sentence as they happen. You're kind of, you know, in- interfacing with characters and you're engaging in a in an actual person's brain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice. very much it's very much Blake's perspective. Um there's also one other tidbit from this a little car scene that I really want to call out, which is uh Blake keeps mentioning how quickly he's going and and like there's a number of times where he mentions that they're leaving the other car behind. And mm. that's Fell's car, and Fell's driving that, and he's not usually <laughs> one to get left behind. So I, I've just had kind of that Fell's not reckless driving, and he he was maybe like maybe even going too far the other way. But I like this idea that suddenly Fell has something to lose, and so he's not he's not driving <laughs> as recklessly as he normally does. Yeah, it's it's a great bit. I, I didn't even notice it when I read through. So I'm glad you pulled it out. Felt now Fell finally has a reason to obey the speed limit. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, they won't be safe for long because the contest has officially kicked off and the Kapal are set upon by the Shepherd's ghosts, first of all. He kind of slams into their cars with ghosts and, and ghost cars. And then uh, the Eye also makes an appearance, basically just fucking up traffic for a while. Yeah, I don't think I completely understood what the Eye did here. Like, so yeah. it came out and it was like throwing cars, but they're like portals to the real world. So... Like, was it using telekinesis through the portals? Was it bringing the cars into spirit? I, I just didn't... Like, even on the second read-through reading this carefully, I don't think I understood what happened. Yeah. I My interpretation of it is basically the eye causing car crashes and cars to have crazy accidents just by fucking with, like, mechanics and shit. Like, the mechanics of the cars. But it's a... It's a it it does feel very, like, otherworldly, I suppose. Well, there's just a specific bit where Blake points out that the eye does something and there's, like, this Aurora Borealis type effect uh, and then he's seeing bits of the real world and, and there's, like, a few moments where he, mo- where he mentions those lights are happening and I think yeah. maybe maybe that's what's confusing me, but, I yeah, I, I didn't really understand this bit. I, again, if, if somebody in the comments wants to actually explain to me what the eye did, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair. Again, dive into the comments for that. Um, <laughs> so the thing I like about this is the eye is causing this cra- crazy car accident and basically killing and injuring random people just to fuck with Blake. <laughs> like, just because he knows that Blake is, is going to either try and be a hero or just kind of get emotionally affected by this. It's a real, it's, it's a real fucking play. Yeah, well, I mean... They were good choices from Conquest yeah. end, uh, that's yeah, for I sure. Guess. <laughs> and now, what, Alexis and Tiffany, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so the eye basically just kind of fucks shit up. Basically is... It, it actually kind of gives me this vibe of the eye kind of radiating chaos, giving me, like, Poe's radiation vibes, where he just kind of fucks shit up around him. Yeah, uh, like there's this bit where the eye touches this car to blow it up just as Blake's getting close, um, and... Blake sort of mentions the gutted underbelly of the car had leaked gas against all odds and the eye had ignited it. And it's just <laughs> like, yet again, Pact has found a way to bring in a great story trope, which is exploding cars, uh, and, <laughs> and make it make sense despite physics. It's, it's fantastic. Yep. yep, a classic. Um, and, and that's the end of the chapter. Blake kind of standing in the street watching people die because of him. <laughs> yeah, and the eye is making its way towards him. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, so as you said, that's the end of the chapter, and and uh, man, things are looking pretty bad for Team Blake right now. Um, yeah, like we talked about how Chapter Six Point One was all about showing us how Blake had these people who genuinely were on his side and liked him, and Conquest didn't have any genuine allies. And I yeah. feel like this chapter was basically just all built around 
actually letting us know that that was a crock of shit and uh <laughs> you know now blake blake is committed to a plan that was based on this and uh now he's screwed because he's sort of alienated a lot of the people he's around who are around him with some of his recent choices and also misjudged uh how far some of those people are willing to go to help him out yeah i think it's important to note that conquest sure doesn't have genuine friendly allies but he 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 has allies who will fight for him and they're much stronger than your genuine allies blake so yeah well and blake's genuine allies aren't too hot on him right now yeah he he really has uh alienated a lot of his cabal um anyway that's uh that's 6.5 now uh i guess let's let's give a quick reminder of our discussion question which i think we're going to get to next episode is that right yes yeah that'll be that'll be on friday yep um and that discussion question is if you had to give someone a crash course on practicing in 15 minutes what topics would you focus on um we've already got a few interesting answers to this Actually, while we're here, I want to call out uh, the the interesting part about this question to me is you have to give a crash course in only 15 minutes. So I am curious, uh, a number of answers have talked about what they would show. I'm curious to hear what things people would have to leave out as part of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because as we sort of mentioned uh, when we first brought up the question, uh, there was a lot of talk of familiars, implements, and domains. And, and, you know, was that worth discussing? So as much as what you think is more important. What are some things that are maybe important, but you think aren't top 15 minutes level yeah. uh, important? They can wait until after the conquest contest. Yeah. Um, before we leave, I want to pull out one comment that we got in our discussion thread last episode as well that I really liked uh, by a user called Mad Vaughn, who pointed out, um, we were talking last episode about how Blake not having a phone felt really weird. And so Mad Vaughan went back and looked and, and pulled out this quote from chapter 1.2, where it's confirmed that Blake actually does have a phone. Um, so this is from when Blake has to run away from the bird skull zombie things. Uh, and Rose says, you cannot leave me here. There was a note of hysteria in her voice. I pulled out my cell phone, an older model I could slide open to get at the keyboard. The screen was scuffed badly. And there's a little bit of stuff about the phone there. Um, so confirmed blake's phone got eaten by the erasure demon at some point uh and just we didn't know about it i guess yeah i mean i guess if you wanted to get really technical this passage maybe shouldn't exist but um like uh, it's nice to see that that he did have it um and maybe there are limits on the erasure demon's powers but uh Mm. it's yeah and again because it's an old flippy phone like we sort of get confirmation that that was why he had to borrow fell's phone to Yes. To look up Evan's yeah. uh, details, because it doesn't sound <laughs> like he had a phone that, that had a web browser. Yeah. It's worth noting, this is one of those phones that you slide open and has a keyboard on it, like a little mini phone keyboard. Um, so that's fun. I think that definitely means it wouldn't be able to, like, whatever, look up local kid deaths or whatever Blake was Googling to find Evan. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just want to call that out because it's a fun little confirmation of a I, I think Madvoin also pointed out this is something that he really likes about Pact. Uh, we talked about how, it, due to the format, uh, we kind of had to reveal the things with, like, the halogen lights and the three goblins that Blake had, and, and how, because of the format, you know, so, some stuff had to be made obvious, but it's nice that there are also these little hidden things that you can just kind of ruminate on and that aren't kind of spelled out. They're just, you see this on your, what, third or fourth reread, I guess. It, it, well, yeah, and I mean, that's what's so impressive about Pact so far is it's even now like I don't think we're even halfway through the story and I've already been amazed at the amount of like foreshadowing or things that add up mm. when you go way way back and 
I mean, you know, this is serialized. Wildbo does always have the option to go and tweak things uh, if he really, really <laughs> uh, needs to. But, I mean, you know, I've been following Ward uh, as, as it's been coming out and I haven't seen him need to do it in that. And there's been similar uh, moments in, in that as well. So I think he is just a brilliant planner uh, and it's, mm. it, it works so well. Yeah, it's nice. I think, I think the right way to go about it is you just kind of leave in these little seeds of this could turn into a foreshadowing thing later and then you pick at the right seeds that are going to turn into a fun little development um, and it all kind of ties back together thematically. I mean, people don't remember all the, all the notes of, hey, this could be foreshadowing, but then it never actually is, right? Yeah, that, well, that's true. And, and we've sort of touched on this before, but this is what I love about these long stories is uh, you, you get more room to include like, I mean, red herrings doesn't feel like quite the right word, but you know, yeah. wait, wait, there's, you, you get the ability Dangling to add threads, so much. I would say. Yeah, there's so much flavor going on that uh, not everything's super important, which means it's a little bit harder to just instantly predict exactly where things are going and, and that sort of thing, yep. uh, which is way more fun, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, speaking of fun, that's all the fun that we have for this episode. Uh, our next episode... <laughs> Uh, talking about chapter 6.6, will be coming out on Friday the 10th uh, in just a few days. Yes, and so as we've already said, that's uh, that's when the discussion question answers will... Uh, well, they'll need to be in, in this one's uh, before that episode yep. uh, comes out. Um, yep. um, so we so can make read sure them. you leave your, your answers in the discussion thread, which will be linked in the uh, show notes down below, as well as to the other things that we mentioned during this chapter, which I've forgotten what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of them was, uh, what, the third moment, uh, Rose. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Where he undercut Rose and, uh, what, what exactly the eye did to those cars. Cause I, I don't, I still don't understand it. Um, oh, and, um, what, what we think was going through Blake's head, why he was so upset oh, about yeah, the, yeah. the chair crow. Man, we're asking a lot of the audience this episode, aren't we? Well, <laughs> it's a, it's a community effort. All right. It's a community reread. Uh, yeah, speaking of community, uh, Doof Media has a great community nice. on our uh, Discord. Uh, so if you head <laughs> over to patreon.com slash doofmedia, uh, one of the best perks, uh, in my opinion, of, of uh, mm-hmm. donating is getting to join the Doof Discord and, and you know, join our little community of, of rambling about all sorts of media and other things yes. too. Yes, it's not just Ward and Pact and all that stuff. There's uh, Endgame spoilers and Game of Thrones spoilers and... All kinds of different channels. They, we just opened up a tech channel talking about tech news, which is fun for all of us nerds here. Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah. all of you nerds. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> for more information about, about the Doof Network, you can head to doofmedia.com. Uh, all the other great shows that are on there, uh, including a new episode of We've Got Ward, which I think has just come out right now. Is that correct? I think I think we're maybe a few hours ahead of them, uh, or yep. behind them. them. It, it'll it'll depend exactly where we get this out, I guess. But uh, yep. you know, right about the same time this comes out, you also have access to the latest we've got. Ward almost certainly by the time you're hearing this part of the episode, <laughs> the, the, their episode will be out too. So go check it out. The longer we drag out this bit, the more <laughs> high the probability is that it's already out. Yeah, so we just have to talk really slowly. Um, <laughs> and while you're checking things out online, why not go over to Wildbo's Patreon? Uh, I actually just upped my pledge to Wildbo very recently, and I suggest you all do the same, because Wildbo makes some really great stuff, uh, and we're all very grateful to him. The best way to show your gratefulness is to give him money for the job that he does. So, do it. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, He does so much uh, writing and interacting with the community, and 
He deserves yeah. every reward he yeah, reward he can get for it. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's the end of our episode, I suppose. So uh, we'll see you for 6.6 on Friday the 10th. See ya. Thank you.